Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where we share stories and tips to help you run a better farming business and create your very own freedom farm. If you're looking to work smarter and not harder in your farm business, welcome, you're in the right place. G'day everyone and welcome to the Profitable Farmer podcast. It's not Jeremy Hutchings here, it's uh, Dave Westbrook today. So um, for absolute good reason, Hutch is having a little bit of a break um, and off, off the back of a retreat that we actually did with our Platinum members a couple of weeks ago with, with 15 of our Platinum members um, and three incredible legends that uh, I will bring to you on this podcast that have joined me for this podcast today. Cannot wait. To rip in and it really ties well off the, the last few podcasts that we've done that Hutch has done with um the around resilience and everything and, and obviously what's happening in in the world and, and Australia and farming at the moment with the, the floods and, and whatnot. It's quite challenging. So um such an exciting opportunity to, to bring these guys to you, which I'll introduce in a minute. But for those of you that, that do know me, you understand that my values sit way beyond business success. It's about true true wealth is about the inner success, the inner hero that we all have inside of us. And at the end of the day, our farming business is a tool to get it, give us the life that, that we really, really want. And myself and the FOA team um, really encourage all of our, our members of our programs to, to have a growth growth mindset. So really uh, hope you enjoy this, this podcast and um, be really open to, to some of the learnings. These guys, these three guys I'm about to introduce you to have um, experienced incredible things um, over their journey through life and and all they do now is want to give back and, and share that. So without further ado, um, we've got Mark Tiger-Kluwer. How are you, Mark? Mark? Uh, yeah, I'm good, mate. That is good, mate. Good um, in, mate. <laughs> based, you're based down in uh, Elevator Springs, which is, what, hour and a half uh, west of Melbourne? Yeah, northwest of Melbourne, mate. Hour and a half northwest. Between, like, Bendigo and Ballarat, it's actually... We're actually really in Hepburn Springs, but uh, that's the name of the property, Elevated Springs. Yep, beautiful. And we were down there. We'll come back, come to that shortly. We were down there a couple of weeks ago. Um, Kane Sugar Johnson, you're up in uh, Brunswick Heads. Um, how are you, mate? Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us, mate. Very excited, especially after spending that time last weekend. But yeah, I'm up in Brunswick Heads, originally Melbourne, but moved up here four years ago and pretty close to Trev now, so we get to hang out and, you know, have some some fun times and chats and all those types of things. So excited to have a chat today as well. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you, mate. I should, have, I should have framed up too with Mark. Mark was a, a plumber, a tradie, a builder, a builder in um, in Melbourne. Um, and now Mungrel runs- plumber. Mungrel plumber, son. Mungrel plumber. <laughs> and, now, and now runs retreats and is all about helping others. Kane, and today's not about um, uh, your credentials. You guys have got some massive credentials, but it's about it's not about what you did, it's about who you guys are. And that's what I really want to tap into. And that's what farming farming's not about what you do. It's not about how big you are, how good you are. It's about who you are as a person. Um, and that's yes. So I could go on and on about everyone's credentials here today, but I'm I want to I'm not gonna do that. But Kane, um, obviously a really successful big a big career in um in in the AFL in Australian rules, Australian rules footy for those of you that are listening from overseas and um, Northern Australia that aren't too familiar with, with Aussie rules, but um, yeah, can captain premiership player and, and, and captain some sides as well. So, so many great lessons and this created the person that he is today. And, and uh, Trevor Handy, how are you, mate? Good. Thanks, Dave. Good to see you again, mate. Last time I think we saw you, you were rushing to the airport right at the finish of our session and you made it by the skin of your teeth. So it's good to see you, mate. 
We did went from a yeah, a very long, relaxing hot tub and some some slower vibes into a, a quick get to the airport, but a bit of breathing got us through it. So now it's all good. Um, you're up at you're up on the Goldie, um, and yeah, a, a world class athlete in the in the Ironman. So those of you that have been watching uh, watch the Ironman like I did growing up back in the in the nineties, I think I was Trev, and um, yeah, just had an amazing career um, as as an Ironman. Um, and a couple of other things. Baywatch uh, met some some superstars around the world, um, and I'll let you open that up a little bit later on if you want. But um... clearly, a highlight of my career being <laughs> Baywatch. <laughs> I think I was was in the sixties, wasn't it? That I raced something like that. <laughs> it seems like so long ago, mate. But um, yeah, like you know, the racing in the ocean taught me to actually you can't fight. You know, you're not in your own lane, and it's all about just shutting everything else out and going as fast as you can. You have to actually get out of your lane to get around the waves and over. And so I had a fascinating and wonderful sporting career that taught me how to let go of control, mm. you know, to get control of the things you could, but let go of control of the things you couldn't. And that sort of rocketed me into some really cool work later and, and um, having some amazing mates. I, I love these two boys so doing anything for them. And, um, you know, and that's off the back of all the things we've done together over a long period of time and, you know what you learn from from sport and life, and eventually you realise what's what's most important. And it is, and certainly at the male level, um, in a lot of ways, it's it's actually all about mateship. It's about connection and and being on a journey with some mates that say, "No, nah, I'm here for the best parts of you to come out, not to cover them up because we're you know a bit vulnerable or a bit scared of it." But um, so yeah, this is uh, cool to be with you, mate, and the and the two lads because I think together the four of us had a pretty cool time at that retreat. Far out. It was unbelievable. So I'm so so stoked that we get to do this podcast and bring some of those lessons to our broader broader community. Um, and now I encourage everyone. I know a lot of people are driving tractors and cutting hay and doing all sorts of things this time of the year. But um, if you've got a pen and paper, grab it because you, there's going to be some absolute nuggets of gold that you want to capture in here. You can obviously listen to it again. But um, I, I want to ask each of you a question, um, and we'll start with you, Trev. Um, what 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 did you value twenty twenty odd years ago? What were your values? What did you value in life? Um, I think probably pretty similar to now because I've been on the journey for a little while. So if I if I went back thirty years to make it a really stark yeah, difference, you know, probably nineteen ninety two, ninety three, it was all about winning. Um, I had a a sort of subliminal subconscious mindset that if I win. Um, I'll get the spoils. I'll get everything I need. Um, everything will be better. Family will be happy. Wife will be happy. You know, I'll look good, sound good, feel good. Nobody will reject me. You know, this is all subconscious stuff. I wasn't actively thinking that up in, in this conscious mind. But from a young age of being um, sort of bullied and feeling as though I was nothing and small and not good enough deep inside of myself, I think I thought if I can win, I can be like the guys that um, – that were my heroes um, and also some of them were heroes in my life and some of them were villains in my life, but they both seemed to have power and control and I wanted more of that. And I, people would have known that because they would have met me and they always said, oh, like the boy next door and all that sort of stuff. But underneath all that smiling facade was this desperate need, desperate need to win. There was a desire to win, but there was a desperate need to win as well. So my values were probably without really knowing it, I would say on the surface it was about health and happiness and flying and shining and all that and that's absolutely true but underneath I was probably running some more intrinsic values of um, winning 
um, looking good, uh, probably, you know, um, monopolising the market, you know, getting getting my share of the market, my share of the prize money, my share of the sponsors and all <coughs> that stuff. And um, so really I was trying to avoid feeling like a loser or, or avoid feeling lack. So they were probably the underlying values and on the surface, as I said, I've always valued family and friendship and the ocean and all those things. But they were probably overruled by this thing that was sitting there the whole time that, you know, push came to shove. I've got to win. I'll just push you aside. I'll win and then I'll come back and talk to you. So um, 20 years later or 30 years later, I went through a big shift in about 1994 to 96, 97, met some fascinating people that were outside the box and, and I started to value, started to value honesty. You know, I started to value authenticity, truth, um, vulnerability, um, connection, care, um, clarity. You know, things that were um, and and deeper fulfilment. So I valued those sort of feelings. Um, so yeah, that that kind of took some of those original values of friendship and family and everything, and brought them back to a real place where. They, I, I could shine a light on them and going, oh, hang on a second. I like to think I'm like that, but I'm actually quite often quite cutting and quite ruthless. And so, um, and the crazy thing was, is most people wouldn't have known that. So people, oh, I got a lot of inspiration from you and everything else. I'm like, absolutely, because I was still tapped into some good energy, but underneath I was shooting myself in the foot all the time because I still had that desperate need to win and prove myself. And yeah. ultimately I was running a bit of a feeling of not good enough. You know, no matter how much I won, I temporarily go, I'm good enough now, aren't I? But deep down, I was like, you know, still going, no, you're not, you're an idiot. You know, like just that self-talk, you know. So so these days I value that. I value creating spaces and environments where people can get all that shit out of their head and and actually connect with each other and and hence why hence why we're sitting here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Far out. There was some absolute gold in there. And to be a world champion and still not feel Good enough is uh, is an incredible thing, and I think it, it, some of that stuff, like what you said about the water, like you, you value water and and being in the ocean, you, the environment that your career was in, the beaches, the the water, the people, an incredible environment. But you were you pretty much forgot about that because you were so focused on winning. And I think farming is the same. We farm in nature. We're with the dirt, the 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 bugs, the animals, the ecosystem, the trees, the creeks, everything. That environment that we farm in day in day out, we actually forget to connect with that because we're so busy about being a successful farmer and, and getting money in the bank. Um, not not all of us, but but a lot of us. I'll say something that really quickly. I think what happened was my connection to the water and my love of the ocean and flying across it and through it, and my love of mateship and all that kept me alive. So I kept feeding the spirit, but at the same time, this fear and insecurity kept feeding the darkness. So it was kind of like. It wasn't one or the other. Both things were happening. I was on this journey and battle. Um, and the days that the darkness won were the days that I ended up in, you know, marriage breakup and financial, you know, bankruptcy and things like that that I went through. Um, and the darkness won. You know that old saying that lose the battle but win the war? You know, the darkness won in those moments but actually really showed me what I needed to see so I'd ultimately I could win the war against my, my own head, my own little demons, so to speak, and, um, and then eventually just be in the water now and absolutely sit in the water and feel like I'm, I'm actually swimming in it. I'm not like trying to fly across it. I'm like, oh, I'm right there with it. And so it's created a real sense of joy in my life because I'm not going anywhere to escape. I'm not trying to escape anymore, you know. So the water was beautiful and it was perfect and it kept me alive, but it was my escape. But now it's not my escape. It's just part of one of the joys that I do. So 
it's changed and it's a good analogy for the farming as well because we, us three boys, we like to go into nature to retreat. But for the guy that's there, you know, tending to the crops and doing whatever else they're doing, um, it's literally can end up being this nightmare that they're, that they're dealing with from day to day. So that, that battle of the light and the dark is playing out. But a bit of conscious conversation, a bit of breath and a bit of appreciation for what we got and we can let go of some of that. Absolutely. And we saw that uh, tenfold in uh, the retreat that we did the other day, the, the, the mm. couple of days that we spent together with 15 of our, our, our Platinum members. There was some so much of that gold come up, those breakthroughs come up because of the hard times that we've, that we've had. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Mark, hey, 30 years ago when, well, 20 or 30 years ago when you were plumbing Melbourne, what, um, it's probably a bit of a hard question. I've just realised now that uh, we actually were unconscious to what we actually valued probably 20 or 30 years ago. We didn't even know what values were. We just went about life unconsciously to a degree and just got down and got our hands dirty. So, Mark, what's, um, yeah, where, where were you sort of 20 or 30 years ago and, and what were you chasing? What, what were you valuing in life? Well, I, was, uh, I was a plumber at that point. I hadn't yet started my building career with my brother, but I was, you know, I, I could always see, you know, as a plumber, I wanted to build this kind of empire, you know, and have plenty of plenty of fellas working for me, plenty of money, drive whatever car I chose, and and I was really focused on that. And I was, and you know, like I was trained trained all through my life, and thought I was looking after my body, but I was I was really yang, you know, like and push, you know, and striving for that. Um. You know, and then there'd be, you know, this, and then you'd, you know, you'd see some mates at trade school, and that's all. It was always big noting, you know, all the bullshit, you know, like, like, like that front cover and back cover stuff that Trev so eloquently spoke about on the retreat, you know, and and that's what it was about. That that was it, you know. Don't show your emotions. If you're getting that, you know, if you're struggling with work or whatever, you can't talk to anyone because it's a sign of weakness, you know. And then, and so I went through that for quite a while, obviously, um, because that was I was thirty, I'm fifty. Six now, yes. Yeah, so I was thirty odd then, and um, that was the start beginning. I remember we we took on this really big job um, up in the Gambia, and it was you know it was make or break. It nearly put us to the wall, but it, I, you know I wanted the kudos of these big jobs we were building. You know all that kind of fake stuff, all the accolades and all that. I was chasing for that for validation. Am I good enough? You know and. Uh, that was that was really what what it was about, you know, just building that, you know, and 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 um, and then you know, in 2016, I had this experience which I spoke about, you know, the retreat, um, and it changed my life, you know, um, just sitting there, you know, with a group of people and being vulnerable and laying down, you know, breathing and never doing any of this kind of stuff, and it t- changed my life, you know, and, and you know, after that that weekend, just a, the the relief. That I had, you know, to feel totally vulnerable with a group of people and be accepted, and be be. I realised to be your, your authentic self, and that's where the and that's where the the nuggets are, mate. Is when you can re- truly realise that you can be yourself, and not and not, uh, you know, be judged for be for being authentic, you know. Um, and that's what changed my life, you know. Um, to the point now, you know. Um, yeah, so. And we'll, we'll dive into a little bit more about that throughout the podcast. But um, what what is it? Look, it was the Wim Hof. Wim, Wim Hof come to Melbourne, and, and you ended up. Um, yeah, yeah, luckily, yeah. Luckily, 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 you you were, you knew that you needed to do it for some reason. Um, yeah. All the tickets were sold out by chance. You ended up with a ticket. You rocked up. You got there. Had a profound uh, impact, as you said, on, on your life. What what was it? Is it, it like? 
what I found the other day is that doing something like this gives us permission to be ourselves. We don't get permission while we're out on the farm or there's no one else validating that we can actually be ourselves. We think we've got to, we've got to be someone else that we're not. Exactly. And it was like you just said, Dave, there was a, you know, and, and a, a, such an experience as a good mate of mine told me about this fellow, Wim Hof, you know, um, about, and I'd never heard about him in, uh, in July 2016. And then um, I remember, you know, he said to me, and he worked for our, our company and he was like a brother, you know, he's from South Australia. And, and he said, you've got to look at this crazy Dutchman, you know, and I had a look all that weekend, you know, in July from not knowing who he was. You know, there was a few documentaries there I watched. And then I remember saying to my wife, Julie, on the Sunday night, I'm going to meet this person. And words are powerful, mate. Words are powerful. And then, you know, here I am a, a month later in August. He's coming to Australia. And, and, and uh, on a new, when I heard about this retreat, there was something that was driving me. I had to do this. I had to go to this. And I didn't know why, but I knew. But it just kept, my heart kept saying. And I, and I was never listening to the heart. So what, why, it's just interesting that, you know, what brought me to this point, instead of being in here, what, there was something that brought me into here, you know, and, and so that's what I truly, you know, uh, and I think about it quite a lot, you know, that, 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 that time where I went down and, you know, sweaty palms, bloody, you know, armpits, you know, driving down the coast knowing something was going to change. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew something was going to change. And um, and then, bang, mate, to the point where one, and I spoke to the boys about this, to the point where I had this buzzing on the top of my head. It was like an you know, electric shock, you know, like it was like someone was pushing down on my head and this big buzz come out the top of my head. And I don't know, like, and it scared shit out of me. I fell back. Hey, I fell back and here I am, mate. Unbelievable. You know? Just because you, 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 you had... A platform to get out of your head. We all live yeah. in our heads. You got out of your well, head yeah, and, and, and tapped into your heart. And, and there were like, <clears throat> there was just pure acceptance, you know. Like, um, it's just pure acceptance, which I, you know, I had this barrier that I built around on the building sites. You know, the, to the toxic stuff that runs around the building sites. You know, um, there's people, the blokes are miserable. They're not happy with their job. You know, they won't do anything about it. They think they're stuck. And 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 that was another driver, you know. I, I love my old man. He's he had his 89th birthday the other day, you know, and he's a painter and decorator. But I was really concerned about you know retiring and just being Mark the plumber because that's what happens to a lot of tradesmen. It's either Mark the plumber, Mark the builder, and I'm not going. And there was something driving me. I didn't want to do that. And just after you retire, the purpose they walk around the street, you know, they I don't know. It just that wasn't me. I don't even need to ask. Don't even need to ask this question because we can feel it in your voice, but and, and your passion. But but how how does that feel when you live when you're essentially living in your purpose when you find that breakthrough and and you are living from your heart rather than your head? How does that feel? Oh, mate, I'm not allowed, am I allowed to swear on this or what? <laughs> yeah. Not really. Go for it. <laughs> I feel fucking great, mate. That's what happens. I feel just really the energy, and you have your ups and downs as, as well. But it's exciting. It's exciting because I actually don't know what's going to happen next, mate. That's just it. live, you know, from from that and just give it a crack. That's what's exciting about it, you know. Um, yeah, so you're alive. That's, you're alive, Tiger. You're alive. Yeah, that's what. I, yeah, that's what it feels like, you know. That's what it feels like. Thanks, Trev. Um, Unbelievable. 
Thanks, Mark. And we'll, we'll, we'll open that up a little bit more yeah, um, yeah, yeah. shortly and the breath work and, and all that sort of stuff. But over down to you, Kane. I'll say down because I'm looking at you uh, on my screen and there's a <laughs> little on top of the videos. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, AFL, the, the Aussie rules footy. It's it's an incredible um, it's an incredible game, and to to be at your absolute performance best takes a lot of um, uh, so many different elements that you have to tie together to be able to get there. So really keen to hear from you what 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 drove you, what were your values as as a kid growing up to get drafted into the AFL system at like. 17, I think, at a really young age, and um, mm. to have that a big career, 220 odd games and of AFL footy. It's a, it's a long career, so you would have experienced initial values, and then they would have evolved over time as you as you grew and, and learned. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's interesting just to even listen to Trevor and Mark. There's so many similarities between our journeys, um, and everyone that you know has a bit of an awakening and comes into their purpose and passion piece when you actually reflect everyone has a very similar path that they went through and similar challenges and things that we all go through and we realized that on the retreat last weekend that when everyone spoke we're like oh I can relate to that I can relate to that and and it's no different even what Mark was saying before you know when you start to come from your heart then all of a sudden you feel great you feel alive but it doesn't mean it's perfect either like it's actually very imperfect very imperfect so the life we live it's not like we've nailed life and we're going through life in you know this smooth sailing we're actually in a bit of a it's always like this but the beautiful thing is you keep coming back to what is your inner inner truth in that moment and that truth keeps shifting and changing and you need people around you to support you and mentors and all these guides that come along at different times to actually shake you up to go that way and to move that way but you are alive, like you're not stuck in a box anymore. You're actually not in that box. You're not in that mental box where you're just day-to-day, nine-to-five, feeling like you're actually dying. You actually start to come alive because you get more into a flow of each moment becomes like, oh, what am I feeling now? Which way can I go? And if I feel like, if I feel into my childhood, you know, my values, like you said before, I wasn't, I wasn't tapped into my values at, you know, at a young age, but what I did know is I still remember being in the classroom in high school and constantly in the classroom, just not engaged at all, looking out the window, just wanting to be outside. Mm. All I wanted to do was be outside and I wanted to play footy and I wanted to be with my mates and that's all I knew. And so for me, I was lucky enough to have a dad that was really flawed in so many ways, but he backed me and supported me in so many beautiful ways as well. And I remember going to him in year 12, study year 12 and saying, Dad, I don't want to be here anymore. It doesn't feel right. And he said, no worries, find yourself a job and then you can leave. But no job, no leaving. So I went out and I found myself an electrical apprenticeship in year 12 and I said, Dad, I found one. And it was like I had to do six months of school um, in the city and then I could I'd start to do my apprenticeship on site after that. And he said, beautiful, no worries, I'll support you through that. So I left and it was the best thing I ever did because it was the first time that I got support from my dad. He supported me, he saw me, and I actually left and did something that I valued and really wanted to do. And at the same time, I was going through, um, you know, my junior footy stages where everything started to get a little bit more serious. Now, most people say, oh, you must have had a real passion and drive to play AFL at that age. And it was like, I can't remember me myself thinking, I just want to play AFL. I loved it, but all I just loved doing was playing. So I just kept playing. And every time I kept playing and finding that passion with playing, it just kept leading me to the path um, to the point where there was this a decision I had to make at the age of 16. And I remember my mates were going, as we all do when we're young, we go and party and, you know, that, that those teenage years. 
And there was a decision where they were going away for the weekend, which was a great weekend because it was I'd done it the years before, or I went and, um, on this footy camp, which was a more serious footy camp, you know, combined, all that type of thing. And I remember in that moment I had to make that choice. And I said to my mum my, my and dad, like, it's, it was a really challenging choice because I just loved being with my mates and I loved that, having a good time and that. But there was something in me that said, no, you've got to go that way. And I, and I made the call, went that way, and then from there on, I think it was about 12 months later, I ended up getting drafted to, um, to the Adelaide Football Club, which for me was at the age of 17, still had another year of under-18s, whereas the, the draft now is under-18s. And um, got drafted, and it was a big shock because the family, I was really close to my family, and it was like for everyone, I was like, oh, our heart sunk, you know, like I'm going to have to actually go into state to actually follow my footy career. But at the same time, it was like, no, nah, I've just got to do this. Um, so my values back then, I was a shit, like Trevor said, before, I was a huge competitor. So I just fucking loved winning. Like I loved winning and I wanted to win and I hated getting beat. I fucking hated getting beat. So even at training, one-on-ones, I, that was my main thing. I just didn't want to get beat. And when I realised now I'm doing a lot of work with Trev and different people, it's because I was really insecure. You know, I was really insecure and really had a lot of self-doubt. So if I could prove that I'd win there, I'd not only get my dad's attention, but I'd actually feel better in myself. You know, because there, there was an inner wound there that I hadn't quite looked at yet. Um, and then started playing football. And lucky enough for me, I was I was really fortunate in terms of football careers. By the age of 19 and 20, my second and third year, I won two grand finals with the Adelaide Football Club, which for, for anyone that plays AFL, that's like the holy grail. And a lot of players, amazing players, never even get to play in a grand final. And so for me, I thought, oh, God, this is just what happens. You know, this is just how it's done. So I, I just took it for granted and won the two grand finals. The most epic experience of my life and the lessons learned were amazing. And my seven years at Adelaide, I played five years in finals and two years without, you know, and then had this call. This is this next call I had. I wanted to go home and play in, in Melbourne, my home state. I wanted to come home and be with the family. And was lucky enough to get drafted to Richmond, which was the club I barracked for. And, and in, in, my, in my heart, I was like, wow, Richmond's been down for a long time. Imagine being a part of an environment where we can actually shake it and change it and come into some, some you know, real success on all levels. And, you know, I was naive at that stage. I didn't quite understand. Um, and then came to Richmond and, um, you know, the, the wind got knocked out of my sails pretty quickly because of the level of, um, you know, I suppose connection between off-field and on-field that you needed to actually have success. Um, and ended up being captain for four years, which, you know, turned me into, you know, mentors came in like Trevor said, and I, I started to get a whole new perspective on what it was to not only lead myself out of the eye, you know, it's just about me. And then I had to look at, oh, well, I've got all these other people to look after, you know, and that's where, the, where that started to come in, where I started had to, had to start educating myself and mentally shift into a place where I could see outside of myself. So it wasn't just this internal, I've got to get things done. It's like, I've got to get things done, but also be there for others and there was such a journey on that we didn't win many games we um you know my careers were in two halves I had seven years at Adelaide successful really unsuccessful at Richmond in terms of um, wins and losses but if I had to say where I learned all my lessons was in the hardest times in the dark night of the souls where we were losing all the time and you know having to shift my perspective constantly to try and not only move myself through the situation but move a team and you know all the rest of the people around me through those situations as well so that was great learnings. And like Mark said before and Trevor said, I probably didn't have the biggest, um, you know, like learning sort of um, tap on the head as Mark said until I went to China following football. And I had a mate that was dying of cancer at that time. Um, it was about 12 months after I retired. And he just wanted to go somewhere and learn how to um, train his mind to, to get through what he was going through, which was terminal. And he probably wasn't going to make it, but in his mind he was. And so we went to China 
and train with the monks over there, which is the Shaolin monks, so you can live on campus and live and breathe like a monk. And it wasn't until we got there that I learned. I thought football and AFL was high performance. This this was a whole other level of performance. Like I've never seen anything like this, you know. And the big difference was they learned how to use this before they used anything else. And their values, like you said before, their wealth, their whole wealth is nothing to do with external. It's all to do with their internal health and well-being and how they feel and, and what they're doing each day, perfecting their kick, perfecting, you know, what they do, which is their craft, which is being a shallow monk, you know. So, you know, the first day there I just got this same thing as Mark had, but when I was doing Qigong, I just had this energy go through my body that just literally woke me up into a whole new way of being. I've never felt relaxation and, and clarity like I did in that moment. And this voice came through me and said, this is what you've got to do moving forward. And I knew that that was my next passion. And I didn't want to do anything that wasn't going to be passionate. I was so passionate about football and I wanted to find that next passion. It was in that moment that that passion kicked in and that sort of led me to where I am now and meeting these beautiful gentlemen that we get to share amazing experiences with and learn and grow and have fun. And part of our values of what we want to bring to people is, you know, being real and honest and open and have fun and bring some life back into life, you know, so. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible. And I was just going to say something quickly, Dave, that yeah. you know what's funny is that um, I've just recognised something that I hadn't realised between the three of us before that worked together, and that is, my big shift, I was sitting in a process and a conversation with someone else and I was talking about basically then the, I end up releasing this idea that winning would solve all my problems. And as I released this idea, which obviously had so much attached to it, I had a whole another version of myself attached to this idea that the winner gets the spoil, gets the girls, gets the decisions, you know, whatever it is. And I literally remember releasing this thing and the guy that was um, running the seminar at the front of the room, we're all sitting in this, you know, sitting in one-on-one -on -one talking to each other. And he said, oh, Trevor got it. And as he said it, because I went, ah, oh, and it literally I just heard what the boys both said. I felt this thing come off the top of my head. Hmm. Literally like, it was like the cat, you know, like like that, that um, old reach toothbrush with the flip top head, you know, <laughs> that, that advertisement. I felt like the, the top flipped off. <laughs> All this energy was pouring out of my head, like literally escaping from me, all this trapped. It's like, and I'm going like this. And he said, just go. And he came over to me. Very sounds a little bit like Tiger. He came over to me. He said, just go for it, son. Like this, just let it go. And I was just sitting there going, what's going on? And he said, just let it go. And I literally let go of all the thoughts of who I was and a lot of them anyway. In that one moment, I never put that together, that the three of us, because Ken had an experience breathing and having this release, but the three of us had this, Top crack. Oh, what's that? You know, so it could feel something bigger than who we think we are. Mm. The predominant word being think, you know, mm. who we think we are. So thanks Absolutely. for this, Dave, because I've just recognised that we all had the same experience in a different way and it was it was impossible to turn around after that. I could yeah. never, ever go back from that point and pretend to be happy if I wasn't or to mm. pretend that this is real if it wasn't. I was like, what's this? Why do I feel freaking incredible now and even when i won races i'd feel little snippets of it snippets of oh euphoria but this was like absolute you know exaltation or whatever it is it was like whoa and that sent me down a path of going hang on what's this because this is a lot better than looking good this is actually feeling good you know feeling good yeah absolutely thank you for sharing that and for me like um, and this is why we teach growth mindset and this is why mindset is a big part of farm owners academy because we need to be at a 
we need to be able to have that those paradigm shifts. And if I so yeah, and, and that growth mindset for the listeners that haven't experienced any of these these physical changes that that or emotional and spiritual changes that happen, um, you don't need to understand it. Just accept it and, and enjoy the conversation that, that's happening right now. And, and for me, it was actually, and I won't go into, into it, but it was actually a retreat that we were doing within Farmers Academy that Tracy Seacom, who's our mindset coach, was running along with Andrew Roberts' wife, Sunny, and we were doing a meditation and a wedge-tail eagle just felt like it flew straight through my body and and uh, then went home back to the farm and all these experiences. I'm asking these questions, what's going on? All this this pure joy was coming out and um, I did a bit of research and, and it was it blew my mind. So it's a very, very similar experience. So yep. we don't there need to be we don't need to be monks or um, nah. have all these big things that come through to back to be able to make changes, changes in our life. Hopefully these stories are just inspiring them. Everyone that's listening at the moment to, yeah. uh, to just to be open, more open-minded and, and accept and, and dive into living from our hearts and, and what is really meaningful for us rather than what's what's fake, I suppose. Or what I think, Dave, about. for me, it was actually just happened through a conversation about what was real and what wasn't. Mm. What you know, what I really truly wanted and what I thought I wanted. You know, so that's that's the thing is it happens anyway. But people, as soon as we go, what do I really want? Who am I really? What just go towards the best version of yourself, and and crazy stuff happens where you start to go, whoa! You feel it, we call it enlightened, but you feel lightened. You know, you just feel lighter. It's like, oh, I think I'm on the right track now. You know, and if you feel heavy, it's because we're just going over the same ground over and over again, expecting different results. But it's like there's mu- much more to us than what we think about ourselves. You know, we're, we're quite. Human beings are quite incredible when we stop thinking and we start just following our heart and following our intuition and following our deeper knowing and trusting that crazy stuff happens. Life comes through you. It's, it's incredible. On that too, um, Westy, just, you know, you know we're, we're talking about our own individual sort of, you know, life journey here. But if you look at like a, you know, like an organisational perspective or a group perspective about, you know, the same lessons, if you look at the Richmond Football Club over the last sort of five, six years, well documented, they went from, you know, basket case of a, of a culture, which I was involved with, to now being one of the best cultures, you know, in sport and organisations in business. There was, you know, there was a few significant shifts that they went through to get to the point where they actually built deeper connections. And one of those was vulnerability, which both Mark and Trevor have spoken about here, was being more vulnerable about their, their strengths and their weakness and celebrating the imperfections of each individual within the organisation, which come from their leaders, Damien Harwick and Trent Cochin had to stand up and say, I'm not perfect and I don't have all the answers, but together we do. And from that place, they could actually start to build. And we, we, we experienced it last week where we shared our Triple H story, which is a hero hardship highlight, which is the stories of, you know, the deeper life stories that we all share. And once we start to share those stories and be vulnerable with each other, it starts to build these deeper connections within ourselves and within the people around us. And then when the stress comes and the pressure comes, we actually tighten up rather than pull apart. And you notice it. You'll notice it even in your family or in different parts of your life or whatever. The more we know each other, like really know each other and understand each other, the more we're going to band together when times get tough. So it doesn't matter what industry you're in, these are the things that we can learn. And then the other the other part of that was they practice mindfulness. They learn how to control their mind and focus on what they can control and what they can't control, they let go. And, and beyond that was, you know, what Trev spoke about before, they lost this intent on win and loss. It was a bigger purpose. Their bigger purpose that they realised was they wanted to be able to be an organisation that could give back to the community. So how could they do that? Oh, part of that, if we win more, we're going to have more opportunities to be in, in, you know, in the spotlight more to be able to give back more. 
So they actually created a bigger vision and a bigger purpose that they could all buy into that was beyond just that feeling of, oh, if we win, we're going to be this. If we lose, we're going to be this. They actually started to build bigger purpose. They started to build a bigger vision beyond just that win and loss that we all go through. And that win and loss on the field is wins and losses, but in life it could be bank balances or whatever that is. If we start to create bigger purpose beyond just that bank balance like you guys are doing there, all of a sudden life becomes a little bit more purposeful. It becomes a little bit more heartfelt rather than just in the mind of, you know, if I win, I'm great, I'm going to feel good. If I lose, I'm not going to feel good. And we start to differentiate our values, you know, in a lot of sports we're doing this now. Our values are being, our values are who we are and what we bring to the world, not what, how we perform each weekend. You know, we've got to differentiate between that. And that can be the same as being a farmer or whatever that is. Our values about being a good person and how we front up each day and how we build deeper connections goes far beyond, you know, our win and loss because we're all going to go through these cycles of times are going to be great and times aren't going to be great. But if we can hold our centre through all that, then we can get through life with a lot more flow and ease. Incredible. There's a whole podcast just in that. Some of that was just absolutely gold, can I? Mm. I think, um, and, and we can relate that back to farming so much as well. So I speak to so many, so, so many farmers and and not saying that any anyone's wrong, but sometimes we can be chasing the money and the big the, the big ego farm, but there's no deeper purpose on it. So there's no fulfillment there. Mm. Um, and then others that that might be more about, I don't want to grow because I'm happy where I'm at I'm, and they want to stay smaller um, and they're more humble. So their humility, actually, it's, it's a great trait, but it, it affects their growth. Um, and I and just to put that into context, or in the farming space, is why not set a big vision to bring wealth into your bank account so you can give ten percent away mm. or twenty percent away, or like the Richmond Footy Club, um, ego would say let's win more, and humility would say it doesn't matter if we don't win. But the deeper purpose says no, if we win, we can have a bigger impact, not on ourselves but on others. And I look at my my wife is a children's author, um, and she. She has too much humility around that, so she doesn't want to promote. She doesn't want to market her book. She's like, I don't, I don't want to make sales in my book to make to make money. It's not. So she doesn't. She's not a very good marketer of her, of her product because she's too humble for that. But when you actually look at it, the more books she sells, the more impact she can have because they're they're a purposeful book. Um, the more impact she can have on every single kid that gets that book read to them at night completely changes the paradigm. So, as a farmer, I'll be thinking about that. How how can you actually be successful? How can your business support you on a, on a bigger purpose? Right here, mate. Yeah. Um, and just to go back to those those shifts that we've all had, um, <coughs> Albert, Einstein, Albert Einstein said you cannot solve the problem on which on the same level of mind of which it was created. So each one of us, we were not in the water competing. Trev, we weren't playing AFL footy came when you had yours. I wasn't on the farm, Mark, you went building. We we're all outside of our normal environment when we mm. had these shifts as well. So it's so important not to just get stuck in busyness on our farms and forget about looking after our, our true selves. So well said. Um, I hadn't actually realised that before because <clears throat> I use that quote all the time but about shifting your mindset. But we've all, I didn't notice even geographically that we weren't in the same place that we plied our trade when we had our big realisations. You know, I was absolutely out of the water. You weren't on the footy field. You weren't, you know, on the – it's that's perfect. It's just, just blow my mind, Dave. That's really good. <laughs> I, yeah, it's I, so I, true because you're out of your comfort zone, you know, and you, you're not in your place where everything's known. And over there, you know, there's that – I love that old meme where it's like a picture of a circle and it's got the comfort zone, 
you know, mm. written in the middle of it. And then there's a little yeah. circle over the, over the side here and it's got an arrow pointing saying where the magic happens, you know. It's outside of the comfort zone. It's just so true. But uh, so much of our motivation is to become more comfortable. Like for everyone listening for the moment, just reflect back and go, look how everything leads back to wanting to be more comfortable, even comfortable in our own skin or comfortable that no one's going to leave me or comfortable that I don't have to worry about the mortgage next week or comfortable that the kids are going to get through school and not have to worry about that. Or So that we want this level of comfort and security. And it's a funny thing because that's our aim. So we're aiming to go to that place where the growth doesn't happen. So we actually get growth from where we're not comfortable. And Kane does a, a you know, really good talk around this that, that um, stress, for example, is one of the great elements of growth. You can't grow without stress. So we say stress is the issue. No, stress is not the issue. Stress, stress is a great motivator. But a lack of recovery from stress or a lack of ability to deal with stress and to work our way through it and actually almost ride it like a horse, like you put a, a saddle on and, you, you know, you've got to tame it for a little while and then you hop on it and, and um, manage to ride the thing successfully around. Stress is a very powerful tool. But it's all about recovery and how to actually manage and, and, and work with stress as you go. Because ultimately, the crazy opposite is our, all our intentions are to get comfortable. Yet we can't get comfortable without growth, and we can't get growth without being uncomfortable. So it's this quite this crazy sort of dichotomy that we have to deal with and understand. And go, oh, so I just have to be aware of where I'm in the process today. I'm comfortable as a result of all the great work that I've done. Tomorrow, I might invite myself to be uncomfortable rather than wait till someone comes and knocks on the door and says, get off the couch, asshole, your crops are burning down or whatever it is, you know, like stay on just and, and, and ride right through the middle where we go in and out of comfort but because we know we're growing and ultimately through growth we realise we have more certainty, connection, clarity, better relationships and more comfort. Just on that trip as well, like, you know, people listening might think, oh, to get out of my comfort zone, I have to go on this big retreat and go through this experience or whatever. But there's so many things you can do day to day that can take you out of your comfort zone. Like even for someone that's very introverted, coming out of the comfort zone would actually be, you know, more extroverted through the day and say hello to people and actually instigate conversations. Like that's taking you out of your comfort zone to shift that perspective or that inner sort of wiring that we've got because we've got to keep changing the wiring. Because our wiring, you know, within our brains and our mindsets, are very, they can be very fixed unless we shift them, you know. So day to day, what can we do? Like even shifting your diet. Some of us have never shifted your diet your whole life. But even having a shift in your diet and trying something different, maybe taking out gluten or taking out dairy. Or, actually, no, no, not dairy on this podcast. Just try it. Just try it for a little bit. That's all good, though. Uh, shut up, Kane. Eh? Right. <laughs> But um, just even just having juices, adding juices into your diet or anything that's different that changes the, the dynamic within your mind and body is something that can take you out of your comfort zone and starts to shift you. And those little shifts start to build on each other. And what we always say is always just think about one small shift I can make each day. One small shift each day and make that a habit. And then once that becomes a habit, then add another shift, another shift on, on top of that. So you know, celebrating the small wins, small wins, and over time they start to crowd out all the things that aren't actually conducive to good health within our minds and bodies. And then all of a sudden you've made shifts without even noticing it because you don't have to make these big, huge shifts straight away and all of a sudden, you know, you can't handle those shifts 
we can make small shifts every day. We can make small shifts by just sitting there and being with our wife and, you know, talking really honestly with each other and opening up. And, you know, a lot of the comments we get after, you know, even on the retreat on the weekend, I've never had such a deep conversation, you know, with my partner or, you know, with my kids or whatever, you know, but you don't have to come on retreat to do that. Just open yourself up to the possibilities that I'm going to shift something today. That I'm going to open up just a little bit more, you know, to the people around. Or I'm going to give my mate a ring. I haven't rang in, you know, in, in, in a month. I'm going to ring him up. Hey, you mate? What's been happening? You know, so there's just all these little things we can do that can actually shift us out of our normal state and get us into a state where we're actually opening up to growth all the time. And then when the opportunity comes and something knocks on your head, I've got, you know, you've been invited to something that might take you out, it comes later even more. Like Mark said before, be open to it and walk through the door because you never know what can happen on the other side of it. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my values is connections because yeah. connections help me grow. The more people I meet, the more I learn, the more, the better I can become. And, and like you said, for someone that might be um, uh, introverted, mm. getting out of their comfort zone and going to speak to someone, one of the biggest things I could do is go to a speak, speak to a successful farmer down the road that they're normally too scared to go and speak to. Imagine what you can learn. Yeah. So every time you meet a new person, sit on an airplane next to someone, say, I get to learn them on a de- uh, learn from them on a deeper level rather than just the, how's the weather going? You can actually, learn so much about yourself um, by being interested in, in what they do as well. Um, Mark, you? Just you on that, David. Yeah. Sorry, quickly, You're just right. what you're saying, um, and I want to hear more from Mark, but I just, um, when you say the connection bit, this is something I've been realising lately is that connection is is quite a, it's quite a vulnerable thing to do, quite a confronting thing to do because Kane was saying if you're introvert, be more extrovert, say hello to more people. And likewise, if you're extrovert, you're almost sometimes blocking connection at a deeper level because everything's good and yay and oh, top of the day and you're being really extrovert. So the challenge might be to be introvert a little bit and actually start listening to people and, and really opening up. But one of the things I noticed is that, that the energy inside of us that blocks connection, you know, um, a lot of people would recognise this. That you're walking down the street and you just don't want to talk to that person. And it just seems like, oh, I'm just looking the other way or I'm just, yeah, I'm just you know, I'm just avoiding it. I don't really feel like it today. But when you scratch below the surface, the energy that's avoiding connection is quite aggressive. You know, actually deep down inside of it, and I found this in myself a lot, I, get, I have this pattern where I go into I need some time for myself. And in that time for myself, I've got this thing like, piss off, leave me alone. Like it's quite aggressively, it's aggressively the opposite of connection. It's like, get out of my face, leave me alone, don't touch me, you know, don't come anywhere near me. And I think... That's often the trait for a lot of people that, that feel that carrying a lot of responsibility is that we, we find ways to disconnect and that's quite active, whether it's through drinking or, you know, just withdrawing ourselves or just watching movies where we just go to sleep to, you know, whatever it might be, um, we actually disconnect a lot. And I think that's one of the great ailments on the planet is I often say the great truth is, the great ultimate truth is we're all one. We're all very connected. We have similar Similar challenges, but just different names, dates, places, and extremities, you know. Um, but so the great truth is we're all one. The great sort of distortion is that we're all disconnected, you know, that we're all separate and we're all in a competition. So I think when you said that, it really sparked me to say, just be aware that the energy that works towards disconnecting, that, that doesn't go for connection, is actually going for disconnection. It's avoiding being close to people. And that's the, I reckon that's the best one we can break. Now, I'm still working on that myself constantly, but. But I, every time I do that, my life is infinitely better. And, and our last weekend together where there was uh, 18 of us, including all of us three presenters and, and you guys, um, felt more connection amongst a group of men in that than I'd ever felt with a group of 18 men. 
it was beautiful. And that's just inspired me to go, wow, I'm going to open up more, you know. And I, I, you know, as you know, I opened right up about some of my challenges on that thing. I didn't say, I'm here running this seminar and you guys are going to be like me. I was like, ah, oh, this is what my shit is that i got to got to clear and got honest. And that actually created such a shift for me. So I think connection is is a really great healer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't encourage anyone enough to go out and, and make those. I, I work, I work, walk on the beach every day, and it's quite a, it's a reasonably secluded and, and isolated beach. So there's not that many people on it. And I notice, I know exactly what you mean. You got there's probably at 300 meters sometimes. And you'll see someone. There'll be someone else coming the other way. You're walking on the beach. Someone else coming the other way. You got 300 meters to think about how am I going to approach this person? Because there's no one else around. You can't hide. <laughs> it's like you're in the middle, on the north coast of Kangaroo Island, um, and it's amazing how many people will not make eye contact. And all <laughs> I want to do is smile and say good day and, and break that. But it's incredible watching that that disconnect that people don't know how to handle handle that and, mm. and make a smile and have a conversation with a stranger. It's it's crazy. Um, and I want to I want to come back to something that was quite profound that you said, Kane, because I know that you do have to go in a minute. So make sure you um, uh, sing out when you. And, and duck yeah, out when you need to go. Um, around when, when so a few years ago, um, and I want to come to the, the the sauna experience that that we had with everyone being more vulnerable. Um, but a few years ago, I had my challenges um, with what something something that I was going through, which some people know about, but um, just around different values around my farm and where that was going, and having to walk away from the farm, um, and my mates. And my and the community and not this is not their fault, but when I needed them the most, they actually distanced and not very rarely. Like there's probably one close mate that actually asked me how I was going. Everyone else didn't know how to handle the situation, so they actually reverted back. I think vulnerability and and building that deeper connection, actually knowing how to go and approach someone and have those those uh, meaningful conversations. Um, and the experience that we had was in the sauna. So that the H, the, the hero, the hardship and the highlight actually gave us the platform to open up. And and instead of actually someone saying something quite big and, and dramatic, instead of us going, oh, too much, we actually just wanted to come in and get, and give give them a big hug and and, mm. and talk through it. So we, we all just put that into context. We sat in, Mark's handcrafted this incredible stone uh, sauna um, down, down on his property, Elevated Springs, and there's 17 of us. We all sat in there. We 17, 18. We sat in there. We all had a little log. We sat on, and we probably spent an hour or two just opening up about some of the hardships that we had. Um, and people felt like they actually really express themselves. And now this group of guys, um, and this was a men's retreat. We're actually running a women's retreat soon, and then we're going to do a women's and men's mixed retreat as well. Um, but this specific men's retreat it allowed us to. Um, to now move forward with a with a great connection and and be able to rock up to our next event and um, the, the conversation we still got going on WhatsApp is around the floods and all this other stuff that's happening now. It's there's a genuine care for each other and we all need that. We all need someone like that in life. And I know Hutch and um, uh, Maria talked about it on the last podcast around having those people in in our lives is so important. That was that was an hour in his sweat lodge. We lost a kilo of tears and about three <laughs> kilos of sweat. We all came that way lighter. That's it. Open the door and all the all the fluid just poured out. Yeah, yeah. Tiger's nailed that property. It's uh, look at him. Look at him. You can just That's tell cool. that he's. I want to. I want to dive into that. Tiger, Mark, you said something very profound, and this is vulnerability. So, um, and one of one of the guys that was there 
um, mentioned how much of an impact this this comment had on him. But you said, and like I said, it's a men's retreat. You said, we all call ourselves men and to be a man requires strength and courage. And the biggest strength and courage we can have is to be our true self. So whether a woman or a man, our true strength is to have the courage to be our true self. It's an amazing comment. So do you want to just um, elaborate a little bit around what you've done down at Elevator Springs, why you've done it, what you do, what what the what the retreats are about? Yeah, well, <clears throat> coming back again to that life-changing experience for me in 2016, after crying nonstop at, at every breathing session, just clearing all this stuff that I thought I'd dealt with, because <clears throat> I, had, I had in the filing cabinet, you know, and I thought I'd dealt with it because that's how you deal with things. Put it deep in the filing cabinet, lock the key, like, oh, and the Coke bottle blew off, mate. And um, I had this moment of clarity midway through this retreat. You know, I was tired. I was worn out, but just this clarity, you know, and and, um, and in a peace. And I said to a mate of mine, I said, Geordie, I know what, I know what I'm going to do, mate. I'm going I'm to open a, a retreat space in nature and just let people come and be themselves. No judgment. Nature's a teacher. And, I, and what I learned about the cold that weekend, you know, jumping into my first ice bath ever, we had 250 bags of ice there and we had to, there's like an ice mountain in the middle. We had to, we had to tunnel in there, you know, and, and but just the clarity and, and, and what I felt with that, I thought, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And and so then I uh, I came back and uh, said to Julie, I've got to move. And there's, well, there's always fear around am I going to make the right decision and about selling our house. We were comfortable in... in um, in Elfington, which is near Northcote, you know, which is, I don't know, uh, it's on the north north side of the city, um, you know, quite close to the city. So we're comfortable there, you know, but I'd been toying with this idea of selling that place for a few years, but there was fear around, you know, losing money and not being able to, we've, oh, we've made a mistake, we need to get back in there, you know. Um, so there was all this fear based around it. But what happened, you know, and, and when I came back, I had the support of the community, um, there was a number of people that went to that event from the gym I went to, and then there was this support. And I realised I went through a rite of passage there, you know, and I felt supported, um, you know, with this group of, well, these, these were men, but the hot, but even the, the gym community, they actually got around me, you know, and um, as well. And I, I felt this has got to be right, you know. I, I really feel this. I'm, I'm clear, you know. And then two years after that 2016 retreat, I um. I, you know, we if we finally we, we sold the house. Well, it's about a year after that, but then we found this land, you know, and um, and then I just started to, you know, and I could see everything. I could, I, because what had happened when I originally bought the the property, well, we we bought the property, Julie and I. Um, she wouldn't talk to me two years. It was pretty <laughs> intense, mate. And so I'd come up here and sit on a number of the hills and just look, and I could see where the shed was going. I could see it all. I could see people coming. I could see, you know, because at that time, I um, I started to listen to Joe Dispenza, and and we had trouble at the first point selling the house. It didn't sell at the first time, and I had a good a deep conversation with a fellow, you know. Um, so you know, in two thousand seventeen, why it wasn't sell, why it w- wasn't selling, you know. Thanks, boys. I'm going to jump off, but great chatting, and look forward to chatting again soon, eh? Hey? Good on you, Dan. Thanks, you, man. Hey, mate. Thanks, mate. Um, give me too much change thought. Um, you're with Joe Spencer, not selling your house. What's that? You were you were struggling to sell your house in Melbourne. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> still lost the train. So, yeah, so Julie wouldn't, she, she wasn't in, it was my story, you know. And, and so then I, I'd come up here and I'd see everything and I was so clear with it. Um, I still lost my train of thought, mate. Sorry. Um, That's okay. You're telling us also, mate, you're listening to Joe Dispenza. That's correct. Thanks, Trev. Yeah, so that's right. So I hadn't kind of, we hadn't sold the house. It was was a bit of a one-off kind of thing. Pretty quirky stone and uh, all this materials that I like, you bridge timbers and all that kind of stuff, you know, recycled materials. And my mate said, have you truly let it go? And I probably hadn't. I held on to the memories you know, with the kids that grown up in there and I could, you know, and then I remember meditating, everyone would go to bed and I'd be up there listening to Joe Dispenza and then I remember the next day, how's this, the next day I, Julie gone to work, the girls had gone to uni or wherever it was and I went I went to each bedroom of the, of the house and I sat there and I could hear the conversations of my daughters when they were young, mm-hmm. playing with their friends in the street. And I could feel all this stuff happening. And I and I had tears. And I started to let it go. And I let it go. And I thanked the house. And I thanked this. And I was grateful that someone else is going to have the opportunity to, to be in this space, you know. And then guess what happened? The next Sold day, she was gone, mate. You know, like, and the fear, but, you know, and then, um, <laughs> And then we were we had the opportunity to buy this land. I've just dropped back a bit, but we had the opportunity to buy this land, and uh, it was during that settlement period. And we we're just about ready to, to to sign over the house, you know. And we we're trying to find somewhere to rent, and it was all con- a lot happening. And I kept saying to Julie, "We have to do this. I've, this I've found, we found this land. It's come so easy to us, you know, through a farming family, no real estate, nothing like that. It was just it was easy transaction." I said, "I can't let this go." I'll give you an out clause if you let, let's just get let's buy it. And um, if you're if you're unsure or you don't feel you're not feeling it in a year, I'll give you an out clause. We'll we'll get rid of it, you know. But there was hard times, you know, um, because she wouldn't, as I said, she she really wasn't in on it. She and so I'd come up, as I said, for two years I'd come up and just sit in place. Every time I went home to speak to Julie about it, it gave her huge anxiety, mate. Because there was still this big shift from 25 years in a house we'd built with the family. We were, we, you know, we were comfortable. Um, and I've pulled the rug out from under her feet, you know. And and I love Julie for the strength of that woman and to be st- beside me and, uh, and you know, and her support. When it's not her story, this was mine, you know, and I'm, I'm truly indebted to that, just such a strong woman to, to, to lead me and help me, you know. Um, get to this point you know like couldn't have done it without her mate but but it was difficult times there and you know she had issues with bushfire bushfires all these kind of things and then you know and she was how's this how this is you know i remember her vividly saying when covid hit i left all the plumbing and building behind because for me it was a sign of failure to 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 go back and do plumbing or building or whatever it was you know because i was before then i was traveling around you know taking breathing ice bath sessions around the country. And I remember she saying, well, look, our, our rent's coming up is due and um, we're not going to, you know, sign the lease. Let's go and live in the shed. And I couldn't believe it, mate. You know, we heard her say that for somewhere that she had deep fear about this. She's turned the corner and she said, let's go and do that. I, I just couldn't believe it, mate. Mm-hmm. Totally. 
late in the morning. Unbelievable. So Bet showing some vulnerability herself, and and obviously what was driving you was a, a deeper intuition um, and purpose that yep. you knew that you had, and, and what you've built there now. So you you've handcrafted the the shed or the the facility that you're in now. You've got there's a, a wood fired hot tub. There's a this, the handcrafted stone sauna which you walk out you walk down a boardwalk after that and you've built this um uh plunge pool like a I don't know, like a 900 mil pipe that you've that you've yeah, it's, a, it's a sewer main mate it was a it was an old sewer main pot it didn't have any shit in it i bought it for second hand <laughs> but it hadn't been used mate so rest assured if you're going to jump in there it's, it's clean. all right it's safe mate it's clean <laughs> oh man don't uh, let it go of the shit anyway yeah, <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, well, um, so, so one of the um, the key things that that you do is obviously there's a lot of the, the vulnerability, which which ultimately is building resilience. So all of this growth mindset and, and positivity and working on ourselves is building resilience. So when things come up, challenges come up in our life, we know how to deal with them. Um, and as we just chip away, chip away, we, we're building that. It's getting better and better and better, and, and we can handle more and more things. But uh, so the, the key things are. Um, that that you're doing there is um, the breath work and and also the ice. So do you want to just give us a, a like what the way that I see the ice bath? So is that you get in? This is my experience. You get in the ice bath. I, I swim in the ocean every morning. You can just flex your muscles. You can sort of get in there and get it done. Rain, hail, and shine all winter. I'm in there, but ice is different, and the ice takes you to another level. You have no choice. <laughs> But to surrender, you can't flex your muscles and you can't fight the cold when you get in an ice bath. You've actually, and, and watching everyone else that, that did it as well, the first 10 or 20 seconds, you, you, you're like shortness of breath, you're hyperventilating, you're trying to like, what's going on, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, it just the body just relaxes, it goes, take a big deep breath and you let it all out and you surrender to the cold and then the cold goes away to a degree. That's what other impact is that that ice? I think has? I think that the ice bath is a yardstick for life, really. You know, and if you can take because <clears throat> at this point we're in that stress, you know, we're in the fight or flight zone when we're straight in there, and when we can learn to be focused right here and now, because if you're in the head, you're dead, right? So you've got to come into the body, yeah, and just focus on being there and being present, and and I love it because I'm struggling. You know, I, I find it such five minutes, whatever it is, three minutes, it's such a good meditation because it drops everything away. And all you do is just breathe and just conscious breathing, you know, and you've got to be there because there are times I think I have to get out of here. I'm not focused. But once you just get past that point, it's just such a beautiful feeling and every ice bath is different, you know. <clears throat> and what it does, I think, you know, um, I've had people, you know, start to tear up when they get in the ice bath. It's not that the cold's hurting them. It's drawing other, it's drawing stuff deep out here. And you've got to give you permission because it's hard again, showing your vulnerability, you know, in public with people, you know. But I, I had a woman the other day, uh, I had one a session on, a day session on Sunday and she, the tears came and I said, just let it go. It's okay. There's no judgment here. I understand what we under, what's happening. It's drawing emotion out. Because it's putting you then in that fight or flight response, and it might bring you back to some. Just be there and feel, mm. and that's what the ice bath does. Absolutely, I think there's so many, so many situations in farming. It's a high stress environment. Yes, so mate. You got a truckload of lambs to put on. The trucks coming mm. at four o'clock, and the, the lambs aren't organised, or um, you got shearers coming, and the sheds a mess. Or there's, 
don't know, you've got harvest and, or you've got hay on the ground and the rains are coming. It's the same. It's a high-stress environment where you need to find mm. your calm. So yeah. I, I actually challenge any of our listeners to, to do an ice bath and you actually get what we mean and you'll be able to use that as a tool, not the ice bath, but you'll be able to use the, the calming effect and, and the resilience of that in, yes. in everyday everyday life. So like when you get in the ice and you've got to find that, that calmness, um, in a high-stress environment, it's no different to being out on the farm in a high-stress environment. If we're in a high-stress environment all the time, we just burn ourselves out and we can't think clearly. We're, we're half the, the operator and the business person that we that we need to be, whether it's the bills adding up, whatever it might be. It's such a great tool to get understand the, the concept of this to be able to use in everyday life. Like you said, it's the yardstick. <laughs> There's yeah. a theological shift there too, you know, and that is that that this, this vagus nerve that sits in the middle, it switches us in from the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight when we're in stress, or the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and recovery. It's called rest and recovery or rest and repair or rest and digest or rest and restore. People call it different things, but it's rest and all those different things. And so literally, even when that happens, we get out of the amygdala portion of the brain into the prefrontal cortex. We stop producing cortisol and adrenaline. And we start producing serotonin, oxytocin, other things that just bring us right into this restoration process. And for a lot of people that haven't been in it for a long, long time, so they're chronically stuck in mm-hmm. fight or flight. I'm laying there thinking about it. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. So what the, the ice bath does is it consciously puts you into it. And then you have to breathe your way through it. When you breathe your way through it, you've brought consciousness into the activity of being in fight or flight. Because a lot of people go, I'm getting out, you know. Or they push through it. You can't really push through it. You're just going to stay, 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 and you breathe, and then all of a sudden it just goes away. So what that actually does is it pushes, it activates your your rest and digest, the parasympathetic nervous system, so it switches you out. And for people that have been chronically in it for a long time, at subtle levels rather than extreme levels of what it was designed for, is getting away from saber toothed tigers while we change caves or or whatever in our in our ancient physiology. But now it's activated from our emails. From are the kids healthy? Oh, my mother, my parents are now getting not well. You know, um, are the are the sheep ready? You know, we're all we're we're very rarely in this moment. We're always our minds got us worrying about this and that. And the previous time this happened, I felt like this, and then so there's all these looming disasters and deadlines that are being met, or not being met, or potentially won't be met. And it keeps us in this activated, heightened state that was designed for survival, but we're staying in it for hours sometimes days, sometimes weeks, months, or even years. Um, so this is a really extreme but conscious way of learning how to breathe and then jumping in and going, bring yourself through it. And now I've actually switched on this capacity that my body has. This, What's this I'm feeling? What am I, why am I feeling this all of a sudden? Why do I feel so good? And the parasympathetics activated. We've got serotonin and oxytocin being produced in some cases. And that oxytocin, so oxytocin is the one that's produced in, in mother's milk. So the baby's like, you know, so we literally go into a healing phase. So we go from stress to healing from going into this stressful environment, but we do it consciously and we decide to do it. So we embrace it as something good for me. And so I know women always said that ice is your friend, the cold is your friend, you know, um, but it's a, and Mark just said before, it's such a great reflector or indicator of where you're at in your life. Because if you hop in and you can ah, straight in, you know that you're in that position in life where you can breathe yourself into the parasympathetic at any moment. 
But if you hop in and go, oh, 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 you know, you've been stuck in that, um, in that fight or flight for a little while. So it's a very, very powerful tool. But at the end of the day, it's a tool that's designed to help you tap into something that you already have. You have this ability. This is a superpower that you have, but it's not, it's long been forgotten and not been utilized. So everything we do is actually about you got all the answers and all the tools you need. We're just going to poke you and prod you in the right way so you discover them. You should walk out knowing you're fantastic, you're magical, you're capable, or at least, all right, I can find my way through this, you know, rather than, oh, I don't know where it's going to come from next, the money, the energy, the answers, the, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, it comes because I've, I've found myself, you know, and that's what we're doing. We're tapping into what you already have. We're not inventing something new. Yeah, incredibly well said, Trev, absolutely. Um, now, just I want to tap, uh, just quickly tap into the breathing, just mindful of time, and then there's a, an activity. I'm a big believer of action. So, Trev, you shared a flip chart with us, which we'll, we'll dive into. It's about it's a tool that everyone, all the listeners, can actually utilize and and, and make make a small change. Um, so, Mark, just on the on the on the breathing, that's the other the, the other core aspect of of what we did. What's just, just explain that a little bit and, and how that works for us and, and where that takes us. Okay, so. <clears throat> So the breathing technique, you know, which is a uh, was originally like uh, from that Chumo breathing technique. Chumo, it's a breath of fire. It's in the Tibetan monks used to do it, and um, and Wim studied this. He was originally he was quite deeply depressed, you know, after his wife took her life when he had four young children, and he started to look at it. He'd been in cold water for a number of years. It's teenage years, but uh, he needed something else. And he found out this breathing technique, you know, and so it's based on the Chumo uh, technique, the breath of fire, um, where they the monks would sit in a, a cave. They've been doing this for hundreds of years in the middle of winter and just focus consciously on their breathing and they were able to heat a, they had a wet sheet, ice-covered sheet on their bodies and with that mindset and focus and conscious breathing, they were able to dry that sheet over time. And so it's quite, it's very powerful. And look, the technique I wouldn't recommend every day. It's a um, sorry, mate. I've got something come up my screen. Uh, this is not a okay. Sorry, mate. Right over your head, something came up on my wife. Probably better for you now, is it? Uh, um, and so, what what this breathing technique does? It's, it's I wouldn't recommend this every day. We did, you know, we did it as a group once a week, a group of friends. You know, it's really powerful. But it's a it's a uh, it's an overbreathing technique, you know. It's a it's a it's controlled hyperventilation, you know. And what we're going when we're laying down, as you know, we're going from one form to another because for years, you know, uh, the, it's been always been thought that our um, autonomic nervous system, you know, is innate and that we can't we can't influence our autonomic nervous system. And uh, what Trev just said earlier about the, the ice bath. Well, we are influencing our autonomic nervous system because we're going into the rest state uh, after we go through that sympathetic nervous system when we jump in, we fight it, and then we get that in, in a piece and that breathing, we access, you know, the, the uh, rest and digest response, which is part of the autonomic nervous system. And same with the breathing. You know, they found that we're going from one to the other. So when we're breathing in and out, you know, and... So it's, it, we're really focused on that breathing. We're doing more breaths than we would usually do, but we're, we're organized. We're 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 um, tapping to that stress response, you know. And then and then what's happening? Then when we have that 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 breath hold, we come into the parasympathetic response, and that's where the shift is. You know, we're changing our 
our CO2 levels in our body. And, uh, and so we're getting this beautiful from one to the other. We're breathing. And at the, at the start, a lot of people say at the start, when, when we share after the session, is that they, they struggle at the start with whether they can keep this up because it does bring a, a, a stress response on, you know. But then they realise their body gets into it and they start to trust. And it's about trusting, you know, your body and trusting the environment that it's all going to be okay if, if the tears come, mate, because that's what it does. It gets in there, it gets deep in there, mate, you know. Yeah. And, so, and so that's what we're going. We're going from one to the other and we're getting this emotional roller coaster, you know, and um, it's powerful, you know. It's very powerful, very and hard, hard to explain until you you practice it. And it does, it, it does, it gets in there. It get it gets deep in there, and yeah, to be able yeah. to do with, with a bunch of people under your facilitation with your uh, incredible way that you that you actually do facilitate it, it's mind blowing. So, and what's you, what's Mark. really powerful too, David Mark's just done a good job of explaining it. Is that in that breath you're going from one state to the other? Yeah, and then you go back to the other, and yeah. then back to the other, and then back to the other, and back to the other. And you could call that rocking backwards and forth. Rather than being stuck in one, you're mm. rocking this one consciously into this one consciously into this one consciously. And that rocking backwards and forth dislodges a lot of old yes. stuck energy where we're stuck in one place, one modality, one thought process, one, you know, oh, revenge process or whatever. We're trying to get to or prove myself or whatever. And it yes. shakes off this old um, stuck dualistic parts of ourselves, duality as in right, wrong, good, bad, win, lose, success, failure, fat, skinny, dumb, smart, hot, cold, rich, poor, good enough, not good enough. You know, this thing is where our mind gets stuck and then wedges our spirit, our, all the energy that's available to us gets stuck inside of us from being, you know, I was going to say stuck 10 times, but it's stuck, 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 yes. stuck in the one place. And when, when we're rocking backwards and forwards, we're dislodging this thing. And the old controlling part of our mind, because Mark so beautifully just takes over control of you, you know, he's just like, let's go. And you're like, ah, and you're going with him. <laughs> and, and the surrender to somebody, a, a force outside of yourself taking you through this process um, actually is a really powerful part of it because at the end of it, you've let go. And as you know, both the breathing sessions, Kane and I jumped in with you. So we didn't sit on the outside. We went, no, we're going to. We're going to go with you. And, and it's Mark's. Go for it, mate. You're in complete control now and we're backing you. And Mark's running the process. And then we might come out and go, whoa, and then Kane's running something and I'm running something. But this is I'm just saying this because that's what it means in life. We need to be able to let go and let someone else lead for a moment and fly and be free and rock from one side to the other. And then we need to be, oh, it's my turn to lead now. Not I've got to lead all day, every day, no matter what. It's got to be my way or the highway. It's literally about being able to know when to step in and do what you're doing and say what you're saying and be what you're being and when to step back. You know, it's not extrovert or introvert. You know, it's not leading or following. It's just all of the above whenever it's required. And, and the act of going from one process to the other inside the body frees you out so you can be that. You know, I'm trying to think of the word. There's a like it's like you're not stagnated, stuck in one. That's like, funny. I, I remember, sorry, Trev, I'm, if someone wrote a book, that, that book I come back to about breath, you know, and he realised that that type of breathing session releases us from the funk that we're in. Funk, yes. Yeah, you know, we're in this, we are stuck, we're in this, we can be stagnant. And by doing, Trevor, it's beautiful how you said that, the shaking from, that's what it is. We're shaking the bottle, we're shaking the Coke bottle, blank. We're doing, yeah, 
and then, and it achieves something. That's what it does. Mm. He's got to go along for the journey and, like, again, surrender. Because it's bloody beautiful, mate. You have to surrender mm. and let go and trust. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Now, thank you so much, guys. And, and so just in finishing, um, as far as a bit of an action and activity from here, one of the, one of the things that we did, we actually we, we partnered up um, and we made a bit of a declaration. And, and Trevor, I'm not sure how well you remember that slide but and the questions that you ask if you want to run through that. And I'd love all the all the listeners to actually participate <laughs> in this and, um, yeah, yeah to around that making a decision, what do you need to let go of, blah, blah, blah. If you want to join yeah. us on that and facilitate that and and get the listeners to, to write this down and, and work through through this in their own time. It's actually one you can do on your own. It's a pretty good one. Some of the processes we like to keep in-house because it's like, oh, don't don't mess with it on your own. But this one's pretty good. And it comes from um, some a whole lot of seminar work that I did a long, long time ago and was the most profound stuff that I'd ever done. And through the process of them doing these seminars, they were looking at how can we be so aware and we're so conscious and we're so capable, yet we still feel stuck. You know, we, we know what we need to do, but we're not doing it. You know, and so they came up with this process. Um, the leader of the organisation came up with this process, and it's, it's pretty simple. So hats off to him, firstly, but it's pretty simple, and he doesn't mind remaining nameless. But it's pretty simple. That first is you, you know, this mimics what actually happens in nature if this truly happens, and that is number one is make a decision on something you would like to change. Yeah. So first, if, everyone, if everyone could just. Have a bit of a think about that now, like, or or maybe maybe just walk through. If everyone, everyone can write it down and then go in their own time and and put some thought into it and actually work. work yeah, write, write it down. Number one is make a decision on something you would like to change. You know, so as people are writing that down, they might start to think about, okay, what's you know, it's good to start with something small, something you know, small to medium, not like oh, I'm gonna you know do something massive. It's usually good to get a bit of a win around this process first, but make a decision on something you would like to change. And the clear thing in that statement is words are very powerful. So make a decision. So you've got to make that decision. Decision's there, but you've got to make it. Make the decision on something on something you would like to change, so something you would like to change. You know, so it's a very, very clear thing. And in itself, it's a very powerful statement. Make a decision on something you would like to change. Decide, I'm going to change this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to um, drop this anger issue that I've got. I'm going to um, buy that other farm. I'm going to, you know, rekindle my relationship with my partner. I'm going to rekindle my relationship with my kids. You know, um, I'm going to live with more joy and celebrate the moment. Would it, would it make a decision on something you'd like to change? Number two is the exploratory question is what would you have to give up to do it? So what we normally do is we think of what do I have to do? But if we just do something to go towards it and we haven't given up what kept us in that place of not having that thing, firstly, we haven't shifted the mind. Remember Albert Einstein, you cannot solve a problem on the same level of mind it was created. So if we've got a situation that we want to change, well, our thinking has led to that situation. So we're going to have to give up some thinking, some beliefs, some actions, maybe a few behaviours. So let's say it was get healthy. What would you have to give up to do it? Um, oh, I'd have to give up that last hour of work that I always squeeze in and probably go for a walk or a swim or go to the gym or go play touch footy with the crew or whatever it is. You know, okay, 
anything else you'd have to give up to do it. And you need to go <laughs> to the list. Yeah, okay. And your mind starts peeling back layers. Oh, I'd have to give up sleeping in, you know, till six. Um, I'd have to get up, you know, give up that 45 minutes in the morning to get up and do that maybe. All right, what else would I have to give up? I have to give up these excuses that I keep making and blaming on oh, my bad back or blaming something else. Or, so I'd have to give up my justifications or my excuses or my reasons or my story. You know, what else would you have to give up? Oh, I'm going to get healthy and get a bit fitter, okay. Oh, I'm probably going to have to give up, um, you know, I'm, what am I having, six beers a night? I might have to give up three of those or four of those. I don't know. Or for a period, I might have to give up six of them or one of them, whatever the decision is. You know, what else might I have to give up? And you just need to work through until it feels like you've actually identified all the things that you'd have to give up. It'll feel like, oh, yeah, that's it. I'd have to, yeah, I can see a clear path between me and what I've decided. I can see the clear path because I've now recognised what I'd have to give up to do it. Mm-hmm. And give up blaming others. Give up the grudge that I had from when that person ran into me years ago and that's why I lost my fitness and health. I'd have to give up that story. So there's many things this can be. Um, but when you'll know, when because you, if you haven't quite done it, you'll still feel like oh, something else or something else and just search through body, mind, soul, you know, behaviours, actions, thoughts, emotions, everything else. Um, then it comes to a very powerful question. The question is, are you willing? When I first did this, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, and I did the process and I, I made a decision. This thing happened the next day. I was like, what? You know, so the next question, I mean, are you willing? The question around willingness is not you should be. It doesn't say no, you should now be willing. It says are you willing? And your answer to that will give you your indication whether it's going to work or not. It's not good or bad, right or wrong. It's just the truth. And so I told a story about somebody that came to a seminar I was on and she told the story about what make a decision of something you'd like to change. I want to give up smoking. What would you have to give up to do that? Or I'd have to give up uh, loving the taste of it. I'd have to give up going and buying the packs. I'd have to give up, um, oh, yeah, lunchtime when I go down to the tea room or, you know, to the little room out in the balcony and we all talk with each other and we gossip and everything. I'd have to give up that gossip session on the balcony. I'd have to give up getting when I get at home at night you know, going out on the front lawn and just before I go to bed, I go out in the balcony there and I have a smoke and I have to give up that. And, you know, it's my stress-free time and da 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 And then she went through all the things you had to give up and the person sitting opposite said, are you willing? And she went, hell no. <laughs> you know, you're kidding? That's my only peaceful time. It's the only time I ever get for myself and I get to meet my friends and talk to my friends. And so her answer was no. And it was like, yes, great answer. Because the truth, the truth will set you free. So I don't want you to get up the front of the room and said, I don't want to give up smoking. I love it. I love that, you know, da, da, da. I love hanging out with people and everything else. It's like fantastic. It's not you should. It's just like, what's the truth? Anyway, um, she came back for a little completion night about four or five nights later. And she stood up first up in front of the group and she stood up there. And she said, I've got to share something with you. She said, on Sunday night, I went home after the seminar. So I picked up the first cigarette and tasted it and went, oh, my God, what is that? And for the first time in her life, she'd given herself 100% permission to smoke. She wasn't smoking to spite her mother or her father or because she can or I can do whatever I want. It's my only time of peace. For the first time, she gave herself permission to have all that peace and the cigarette and she tasted the cigarette and it was like, what? I don't need that. 
and she had not had a puff or a desire or something since, and she we saw her a long time later, and she had never smoked again. So third right. question is, are you willing? And the answer is not, it should be yes. It's just whatever it is. If if the answer is no, rejoice in the fact that you've actually just worked out that, oh, that's why it's never changed because I'm not actually willing. I don't want it in my spirit. I haven't decided yet. I haven't truly decided that I want to give up those things. And so that's a really good answer to get because then you can stop tormenting yourself about it. Let it go and have what you have. Um, so, And then you might say, oh, I'll start with something smaller. But you can work your way through the process. It probably opens, it really opens up, okay, what is the real thing I want to change? It's not smoking. It's 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 the for her, it's the time I, I want time for myself. Why do I need time for myself? Because I'm too busy or I'm always in burnout mode or whatever it is. So there's probably something else that, that comes up, especially if we say no, explore what is it that I actually really want to change then. Yeah, and deeper down you might have said that what she really wanted to do is back herself, mm. you know. So she decided to smoke, smoke. She said, not smoke, smoke, don't smoke. You know, like to really support and back herself might have been in there too. But ultimately something shifted and let go and she was free. She could smoke or not smoke. And then when she went to smoke, she was like, oh, oh, hang on, I don't want this. You know, so she, as soon as she had choice, it became clearer what the, what the ideal choice was for her. And rather than tormenting herself, it was actually she was able to do it. So she had two wins. She had the win of backing herself and then she had the win of going, now I don't need to smoke because I can back myself in better ways. But so if the answer is are to are you willing, if the answer is yes, then the final question is what would you have to do to get it or what would you have to do to do it? So now you list, all right, so you've listed what you have to stop doing and, and let go of. Now you list what you have to do and you can feel it. I have to do that. I have to ring uh, so-and-so straight away and book him in for a walk with me in the morning. I have to, you know, da 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 and you just go into action. So mm -hmm. it's make that decision and then do that now go into action but you've cleared out this path of should and shouldn't and that's the key part are you willing will let you know whether you're in the shoulds or shouldn'ts um because it's not about being better it's actually about being true and better will work itself out later absolute gold what a process an amazing process and um i know we all walked away with so much of that and, and just yeah the, the process itself um just I don't know, it gives us that platform to, to really... Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool, simple one. And yep. you can run something through it whenever you want to change something. And it becomes a really powerful little tool. What oh, what do I have to give up? I have to give up this, that, that, that. Then you feel clear and you go, am I willing? You go, yes, I am. Right, what do I have to do? Da, da, da. It can be really quick. Mm. You know, once you've done it a couple of times, it's a really cool thing. And tools are great. Tools are really good things because we need a helpful hand to get closer to... You know, I know you mentioned probably, probably the final thing for me. I know you mentioned resilience way earlier. And I was thinking about resilience the other day and our spirit is hugely resilient, but our personality is quite often quite unsure or quite rigid, you know. So the person we think we are is nowhere near as resilient as the spirit that we are, even if we have a resilient personality, and a lot of us do. Um, our, our spirit has way more resilience than that. So when we bump into that thing that we can't handle, our spirit can handle it. And there's an old saying, the universe doesn't give you something you can't handle and it doesn't give you something without hiding a solution within it. So the answers are there, but ultimately things happen, shit happens in life to give us an opportunity to find another level of resilience that we didn't know we had. And in a new moment, that resilience might be called love or forgiveness or patience or um, uh, your humility or um, compassion 
or something that's even softens us. It's not even a hard edge resilience. And other times it might be strength, toughness, determination, you know, self-belief. But the universe gives us problems that are actually problems in that are opportunities in disguise, you know. So resilience comes from knowing your spirit's already got this, but you're going to go through a process of working out how because I can't see it right now. I want to run, jump, give up, run away, leave, you know, leave the job, leave the, the wife or the husband or leave the whatever it is that's creating stress. It's like, no, stay, stay and stand and face it and, and stare it in the eyes and work out what part of this is for you, you know, so you can stay or go, you know, but you're free. Yeah, absolutely. The, the opportunities that, that arise, the, the, everything's opportunity, um, whether it's, yeah, the floods at the moment or anything that the the droughts and all that sort of stuff. It's just an opportunity for us to grow as people and, and build more build more resilience. Absolutely. But speaking of resilience, did you see the beautiful Julie run past in the background then? I did. She snuck through yeah. there behind Mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For those she really makes nice. appearances in the background and she <laughs> she's back. She was absolutely there she is. Awesome. Well, that, I think we better wrap it up, guys. That's been, um, I think most people have run out of pages on their notebooks that are, that are taking notes while they listen to this. So we better wrap it up there. Um, incredible work what you guys are doing, the three of you down at Elevator Springs. And um, I know that you, you travel around doing corporate stuff um, and, and in, having an impact on um, many lives by sharing the lessons that you guys have learned um, through high performance and, and, and then finding that, that true inner hero that, that we all have inside of ourselves. So Thank you for your time today. Um, thank you for what you do. We can't wait to um, get our women's, uh, our, some of our women from our platinum program down to spend some time with you guys soon, and, and then um, then a mixed uh, women's and men's one later on as well. So we'll uh, we'll keep come down your way. We'll keep growing, and, and can't wait to catch up with you guys again. So thank you very much for today. Yeah. Thanks, thanks very much, Dave. Thanks, Cheers. brothers. Thanks, mate. Good to see you, Trevor. Good to see you, Tiger. <laughs> thanks, Westy, and love to everyone listening. Yeah, that's awesome. it. Good on your Westy. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitable Farmer podcast by Farm Owners Academy. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long-time listener, let your friends know about us or come continue the conversation in the Profitable Farmer Facebook group. All the best as you grow your business and create your freedom farm. Until next time, Keep being incredible.